the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. It is 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway. It is the second morning of the fifth month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Let us not waste this Tuesday. And as it is a Tuesday, I love to give you the double header whenever we have it. If we hit the daily double because of a schedule conflict with one person or another, and if we ever get Jim Jordan and Peter Kersenow back to back on any given day, that, my friends, is what I call a great day. Well, guess what we have in store for you today? A daily double, double header, whatever you want to call it, great day, because Jordan at 935 and Kersenow at 1010. you dig it? <laughs> These are the interviews that I get the most response to. Whenever people message me, they hit me on social media. It's always about something Jim Jordan said or something that uh, Peter Kirstenau said. For the most part, we do have a lot of other great interviews, obviously, but these are regulars. These are my longest, these are my two longest standing regulars, by the way. Um, when this show started about nine years ago, I mean, I started having Jim Jordan on weekly, uh, almost right from the start. And then because Kirstenau always does the Kirstenau reports that you hear, uh, sprinkled in throughout the day, 
the 60-second curse in our reports. I mean, he was already locked and loaded here with the station, so it was an easy thing to get him on the air. I hadn't even met Peter Kersenow before that, but uh, now for about nine years for each of them, we have them uh, giving uh, the best analysis on what's going on in this world, in this country, in this state, and uh, even in our own backyards. So Jim Jordan at 935, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and we will talk to Peter Kersenow at 1010, as we always do. So uh, you're in for a treat today. But that doesn't mean they're the only voices you are going to hear. We want to hear your voices as well. 216 Either one of those numbers is good for us. And uh, now before we start our program and uh, give you the news of the day, top story of the day as I see it, what do you say we stand as the patriots that we are? That we are? Let's face the flag, put your hand on your heart, and join us. If you've got a flag nearby, great. If you don't, well, let's work on that. Again, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Even if you've got a smartphone or a computer screen, you can pull up an image of that flag and have it ready to go every single morning. But if you don't want to pledge allegiance to that flag because you do not believe in liberty and you do believe in erasing human beings like women, uh, by this ridiculous trans movement, if you believe in harming children, if you believe the kids should be influenced by groomers dancing and twerking their hairy rear ends in kids' faces for dollars, if you believe any of that stuff, well, then you uh, probably don't have much respect for the flag anyway. You are therefore exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to it. You may instead take a knee next to your favorite ex, ex rather, quarterback. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's been almost two weeks since I, uh, st- since I talked about the Bud Light controversy. Uh, but we need to get it back into the forefront now. Why? For a couple of different reasons. Um, we're winning. My friends, I've got great news for you today. We are winning. They are trembling. They are panicking. They are hiding. And that feels absolutely fantastic. What do I mean by hiding? Bud Light, after firing, as you probably know, after firing... Uh, they call, they said she is taking a leave from the company. You will never, ever see the person who came up with that ridiculous advertising campaign to put um, uh, the, the adult male, 26-year-old male who dresses like a 6-year-old girl and says that he has gone through 365 days of girlhood, which is what led to the image of this guy on the uh, beer can. The individual who was responsible, uh, the vice president in marketing who was responsible for that, said is said to have taken a leave of absence, but she's gone. And will be gone forever. And so will I think her supervisor on top of that. Um, and immediately trying to control the damage and the billions, let me repeat, billions lost by Bud Light with sales down 17 to 25%, depending on what markets and what areas of the country where they measure those things. Um, they're literally giving it away in some stores in some states because it can't get off the shelves. No one will buy it. They're selling 36 packs of it for like $14. These are things that would have cost $45. Um, they're just, nobody wants it. So what is Bud Light doing? couple of things. Number one, they're trying to come back with their, no, honest, we don't really feel this way. We are pro-America. We're the Clydesdale family. We're the, uh, we're the, um, 
the company that gave you some of the most patriotic, tear-jerking commercials in Super Bowl history. Remember us? They're trying desperately. They released that Clydesdale ad to remind everybody about a week and a half ago. Now they've got another one following up with a uh, new commercial that I have not yet seen. I'm only reading the description of it to tell you the story. Their advertisement shows a group of young friends drinking beer in the rain at a country music festival as Chicken Fried by Zach Brown Band plays in the background. First of all, love Zach Brown Band. Second of all, love that song. Third of all, very disappointed that they would give their approval for Bud Light to use their song in their commercial. But, be that as it may, this is what it shows. This is a clear message that says, you win. You understand that? Because some of the leaders in the pushback against the erasure of women by way of celebrating a man wearing woman face and putting it on the side of their beer cans in order to be more quote-unquote inclusive, some of the leaders in the boycotts or the pushback or whatever you want to call it were in the country music world. Um, John Rich was among those who pulled Bud Light from his Nashville bar. Uh, others pulled Bud Light as one of their sponsors uh, at the concerts uh, that they were doing and the tours that they were doing. Kid Rock, not that he's country anymore, he's kind of country rock, but you understand, um, you know, of course, used his uh, Bud Light cases for target practice. We have seen this. The country music scene is just filled with people who have pushed back. So what have they done here? They've done a, we're at a country music festival and we are drinking Bud Lights. So they posted that commercial on YouTube. They posted it on their social media. And then immediately disabled the comments. They don't want to hear from you anymore. They got the message, and they refused to let people actually rip them for their blatant attempt to undo the damage they did to themselves because it's costing them money. They don't want to hear from you anymore. Bud Light's newest advertisement sits there on YouTube and nobody can comment on it. They have disabled it. So it, it, it's, it's actually two things. Number one, it shows that they have heard the message and they don't want to hear the message anymore. They are just going to go back to doing good old blue collar American, you know, as apple pie kind of, kind of advertising in order to try to win back the people who are so livid. I don't think it's going to be that easy. This is, their again, their second pro-America ad that they released in recent weeks where they're really trying to win back people. So clearly you're winning. We're winning by not buying this stuff anymore, by being proactive and not, uh, you know, and, and so going on social media, telling everybody what your opinion is, uh, uh, just not, not, not participating. They're, they're going to continue to be hit by the, by the financial side. So number one, they're going to keep pushing out these new pro-America or pro-blue-collar America ads. And number two... Um, they're not going to let anybody rip them when they do. They just want the positivity of the message to resonate with the people. That's their, that's their new game plan here. Now, is that game plan going to be good enough? And the answer is maybe, because Anheuser-Busch, the parent company, is also now hearing calls and facing all kinds of heat from the trans community for their recent flip back to hey it's all about Clydesdale's country music and good old boys drinking Bud Light the trans community is pushing Bud Light to continue and to reassert their support for Dylan Mulvaney the 26 year old femboy uh, who tries to pretend he's a girl all for 
profit. And he is making a lot of profit. We're talking tons of money from the likes of Nike, from the likes of uh, Tampax, from the likes likes of, um, I think it's Maybelline, the makeup company. All of these female products he's selling, sports bars, tampons, makeup, and all kinds of things that he has absolutely no uh, business advertising, taking money and endorsement contracts away from real women, real girls. But the trans community is pushing back on Anheuser-Busch, saying, don't you flip over to that blue-collar message before. Don't you dare abandon Dylan simply because you're losing you know, um, billions of dollars in corporate valuation. In a letter sent to Anheuser-Busch's head of human resources, somebody named Jay Brown, a senior vice president at the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, slammed the company's recent uh, turn toward patriotism and away from transsexualism. In this moment, the letter reads, it is absolutely critical for Anheuser-Busch to stand in solidarity with Dylan and the trans community. However, when faced with anti-LGBTQ plus and transphobic criticism, you know, I want to address that word too, because I've had just about my fill of this, you're transphobic. No, I don't fear these people. I, A, pity the ones who actually suffer from a serious psychological condition called gender dysphoria, and I just revile those who don't have gender dysphoria, but that are just attention whores. We're talking about people, and a definition of an attention whore is somebody who will do anything for attention. And that includes dress up in women's clothes, make ridiculous, goofy statements on social media, go on there and present themselves as a social media influencer, and I'm non-binary, I'm not male nor female, I just don't feel like I'm either one of those things. I feel like I'm a little bit of both of those things. Those are attention whores, and they do not have my respect at all. I'm not phobic of them, I just don't like them. I revile them. I want them to go away. I want them to get off of my screen. I want them to get out of, out of my, off of my TV set. I want to get them out of my, my, my cultural, um, uh, I don't even know how to phrase that. I want to get them out of my cultural realm. How about that? I don't need to see it anymore. But the letter reads, when faced with LGBT, anti-LGBTQ plus and transphobic criticism, Anheuser-Busch's actions demonstrate a profound lack of fortitude in upholding its values of diversity, equity, and inclusion to employees, customers, and shareholders, and the LGBTQ community. Guess what? Anheuser-Busch owes you and your weird community nothing. Nothing. And when I say weird community, yes, look up the definition of weird as well. I'm big on words. I have an English degree, I used to teach English, and I'm big on words, and I'm big on vocabulary, and I'm big on definitions. Look these things up. We're not phobic. And describing something as being out of the norm, abnormal, uh, 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 perverse instead of diverse, these things are real, and they're accurate. But guess what? Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch should not be bending their knee to a very, very small, and I repeat, small group of people that have been either brainwashed into becoming this this um, uh, into becoming um, boy I'm struggling with my words as being big on words here brainwashed into becoming I won't say gender dysphoric but the attention whores I guess is I'll go back to the to the original words they have been brainwashed into becoming influencers and proclaiming themselves to be different than everybody else 
Uh, and that's the reality of it. That's what they have done. And this community is very, very small. This community, they want you to think that it's larger, that there's a 30 or 40% of the population that identifies in some way as an LGBTQ. And the answer is no, they don't. There is 30, 40, probably 25 to 35% of the population, if you are going in that number, who have been brainwashed into thinking there's something like that until they grow up out of it and realize, what in the heck was I doing? Why did I let myself get pulled into that trash? That's the reality. The letter from the Human Rights Campaign Foundation continues. This not only lends credence to hate-filled rhetoric, it exposes Anheuser-Busch to long-term business impacts with employees and customers increasingly looking for steadfast commitment to LGBTQ corporate citizenship. Guess what? Anheuser-Busch has already been down that road. They've been down that road with you in this 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 uh, business pact, this contract, this uh, commitment, and it's killing them. And so they've experimented with you, just like Dylan Mulvaney experiments with uh, trying to not be the human male that he is. And they're done with it, which they absolutely should be. Let me give you another example of how we're winning. Maybe you saw this story over the weekend. Maybe you didn't. The, The Fairfax Bar and Grill in Bloomington, Indiana, is going broke. Why? Because they announced to their, their, their patrons, their, their regular customers, that they are woke. They ended up, this, this bar in, uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, kicking people out if they were heard vocally condemning and criticizing Bud Light and the Dylan Mulvaney-adorned cans that they were selling and serving at the bar. If they heard anybody complaining about it, criticizing it, talking about how dangerous it is, talking about the messages it sends to kids, any of those things, they booted people from the bar and said, you're not welcome here. Well, guess what? The people said, done, deal, we're out, and they left. Fairfax Bar and Grill had to come back after two weeks of devastating financial ramifications of their wokeism and said, you know, um, we were just kidding. Uh, you know, you can have whatever opinion you want here, and if you say it out loud, it's okay. Just try to be respectful of other people. We need you back. Literally, at the end of the message, quote, I'm not going to lie, we still need more of you right now. With the departure of some of our regulars, we have needed new clientele, and you have answered, and I'm not going to lie, we still need more of you right now. People bailed. And so the the bar tucked their little tail beneath their legs, kind of like Dylan Mulvaney tucks between his legs in order to pretend to be a girl and put on his woman face, and said, okay, sorry, we won't be so woke anymore. My friends, we're winning it. This is what winning looks like. Watching Anheuser-Busch erase all remnants of what they did and then replacing it with pro-America. Watching the LGBTQ community telling Anheuser-Busch, stop it, don't, don't, please don't abandon us, please continue to support us. Watching bars recognize that we're getting killed if we express any support whatsoever for Bud Light. We should probably just pull it off our shelves. We are winning. And that is something you need to take into the day with you today. Recognize that the LGBTQ community is watching us win and they're panicking. And don't let them hit you with any more transphobic and you're dehumanizing. Dylan Mulvaney says we're dehumanizing him. No, Dylan, we're not. We recognize you're human. You're a human male. Just not a human female. And you happen to be a human male that we don't like. 
we don't like you, and we don't like you completely adopting or stealing womanhood from real women. That's not dehumanization, and it's not phobia. We're not afraid of you. We're not dehumanizing you. We're just telling you the truth about what you are, and we also want you to know that we don't like you. Period. Point blank. We're going to hit more of these stories coming up, but coming up in a few minutes right after the bottom of the hour news break, it's Jim Jordan. Congressman Jim Jordan has a lot of things to talk to us about this morning. That'll be next on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 937, Always Right Radio. Indeed, it's a Tuesday, not a Monday, but we're blessed to hear the voice of uh, the chairman of the House of Representatives Judiciary Committee, also the chairman of the Weaponization Subcommittee, Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio 4. Congressman, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good morning to you. Um, Nine days. In nine days, what is already a disaster is going to be much, much, much worse. When uh, the Biden administration officially ends Title 42, uh, what can we expect when that happens at our southern border? And not just there, but literally all across this country. Well, more of the same, uh, but but it'll be it'll be worse. And it's hard to imagine how it could be worse because the the number of illegals coming into the country uh, has has just been unprecedented. And again, we've talked about it several times, but it's it's deliberate. It's intentional. They, they, they premeditated fashion decided they were going to do this to our country, uh, and it's going to continue. Now, the good news is on May 11th, the day Title 42 ends, we, we will be passing on the House floor immigration enforcement legislation that we got through committee uh, two weeks ago. And then, frankly, we'll see what Joe Biden tells Chuck Schumer to do in the Senate and what happens. But that, that legislation would go back to the policies that worked. That would solve the problem. I just don't think Joe Biden and the Democrats in the Senate are going to pass it. Yeah, I don't either, which, uh, which again begs the question, what can we do? And by the way, when you say uh, that the uh, level of uh, illegal immigration is at an unprecedented, unprecedented level, I don't know what book you're looking at, because we were told yesterday by Karine Jean-Pierre <laughs> that illegal immigration is down by 90% thanks to yeah. Joe Biden's policy. She said that out loud, Congressman. I, I, I don't know where she's looking, but, but she's not looking at the border, is she? No, and it's like they continue to do this as if we're, you know, as if the American people aren't smart, as if we don't have common sense, as if we can't see for ourselves. Don't believe your lying eyes. I mean, what? It's it's so ridiculous the things they say because um, we can see. But that's, I guess, that's just how this administration has operated now for what is it, twenty eight months? Um, and, and but the the country gets it, so they can say all they want, but we can see with our own eyes, and we see the caravan forming. We see, see the numbers in Brownsville, El Paso. We see them coming. Um, and again, it's it's what those poor people have to go through. I saw some footage yesterday. They've been traveling for I forget how many months, and and the relief on the, the this poor illegal immigrant's face when when he made it to America. So you don't fault people for for wanting to come to the greatest country ever. What you fault is the Biden administration policies that are putting so many people through this terrible journey. And, and so many kids, and the fact that they've lost 85,000 of the 350,000 unaccompanied, and that's the key word, unaccompanied children who've come into the country. You know, um, it's kind of interesting. When, when President Trump was making the policy down there, um, they, they, they cried and they screamed about uh, kids in cages. Um, 
I would prefer to have a kid in a in a in a holding facility until care can be found for them, rather than have them lost into the arms of human traffickers. And Lord only knows yep. where else they've been taken. What you just said should shock the senses of everybody. That unaccompanied minors are coming here and, and disappearing. We don't know where they are, but the chances are they're not. Chances are not very high. They're in a good, loving foster home. Yeah, I know. Chances are they're being trafficked. Yeah, they, and, and they don't even vet the the, the extent of the vetting. For where these kids wind up is is basically okay. What's the address that's been given? Sometimes it's a piece of paper in the, in the child's pocket. We're going to send them there. They make a phone call. That is literally all the vetting that takes place. I mean, this, one of my colleagues, Tom McClintock, who's, who's the chair of the Immigration Subcommittee in our committee, he, he said it best in committee a few weeks ago. He said, if if, if some kid winds up on your front door. The first thing you do is figure out where their parents are and get them back to their family. But that's not what the Biden administration does. They say, we're just going to ship these kids off to whatever address they may have. We're going to send them there. And, and they've lost track of 85,000 of these children. So, um, again, we have to talk about how bad this is and hope that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer will, will actually do something that makes sense and, and deal with our legislation. That, again, we plan on passing here uh, in, in nine days. Well, you know, it's bad enough as we try to kind of, you know, kind of quantify this, uh, that the mayor of El Paso, Texas, and other border communities have declared a state of emergency 10 days before they actually start uh, coming in in bigger numbers because of yep. the end of Title, yep. Title, Title 42. And and I want to maybe maybe go back for a second here and apologize to Green Jean-Pierre. Maybe she just misunderstood when she said it's down 90% because 90 was in the news. 90,000 migrants crossed the border in the last 10 days as panic yeah. over Title 42 and set in. This is this is a New York Post report. 73, 000, over 73,000 crossed the southern border in the last 10 days, according to U.S. Border Patrol, and then another 17,000 gotaways. That's always the ones that we're most concerned about, Congressman, because we don't know why they're getting away. The others are turning themselves in, saying asylum, and being released. The gotaways, yep. of course, don't want to turn themselves in because they're trafficking right. something. People, drugs, guns, right. Lord only knows. But that's 90,000 people in 10 days, Congressman. So yeah. when I say what do we do, and you're right, the comprehensive bill that you guys put forth going to get voted down in the Senate or vetoed by the president, I mean, our hands are tied. They're just going to flood every American city, um, and, and there's nothing we can do about it. No, it, it seems like. I mean, and these governors are trying. They're trying to highlight the issue. They're trying to do what they can. Um, but I think you're, unfortunately, I think you're right. They're going to continue. The, the Biden administration is going to continue to do this. Mayorkas is going to continue to preside over this, have these kind of policies. They're going to continue to do this. And it seems to me the only way it stops is when you elect a different president. And, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm for President Trump, and I hope he wins. But on this issue, think of the contrast. It was under control. We actually had a border under President Trump. I talked to a, a sheriff who testified a couple months ago in committee, and I, I think I showed this before, but he said, he said in his 30-some years in law enforcement, he's never seen it as good as it was a couple years ago under President Trump, and he's never seen it as bad as it is currently under President Biden. That's the sheriff down there in Arizona. That's his words. So um, I think it's going to take a presidential election to fix it. Well, and, you know, the, the the last thing we'll say on this before we move on is, you know, Democrat mayors, former mayor, outgoing mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Eric Adams in New York, they're crying and complaining, please, Governor Greg Abbott, stop sending these people up to us. Congressman, these are the people who are proudly declaring and virtue signaling, we are sanctuaries Thank for those you. who are in this country in an undocumented fashion. We will not be yeah. turning them over to ICE. We will provide protection for them. 
And, and, and okay, now it's time for the rubber to meet the road here. You bragged about being a sanctuary city, so Abbott is sending people up there to you for sanctuary, and they don't want them. They're kicking them out, and yeah. Eric Adams even called it racist for, for Abbott to do so. Yeah, they're only sanctuary cities until it's time to provide sanctuary. I mean, right. if you give me a break. These, these guys, uh, but it's so so the left. Uh, I mean, the inconsistencies, the double standard, uh, the, the left, um, but uh, God bless Governor Abbott and, and, and Governor DeSantis and others who have who have done this because uh, send the people there so they can. And maybe that maybe that finally, if that continues, will finally be the pressure will come from Democrat mayors, Democrat governors in other states to put some pressure on the Biden administration. Say, come on, you got to you got to get control of this situation. Um, it's well, that, that was Abbott's response. Yeah, Abbott's response was perfect. He said to Eric Adams in response, take your complaints to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Take yeah, this to yeah. the body, because we're not bringing yeah. these people, and it's not our Texas policies that are landing thousands of, of these people in, in your city, uh, uh, Mayor Adams. The person responsible for that is in the White House. Um, let's yeah. move forward. Uh, another another uh, Biden disaster uh, started yesterday as the attack on middle-class homeowners with good credit scores began uh, in earnest. Uh, according to some of the numbers, and I don't know if I have them in front of me at the moment, but, 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 uh, good credit, uh, people with good credit are going to be paying an average of 40 or $50 more per month on their mortgage payments in order to cover the risky loans that are being given to people who have terrible credit scores. So the responsible Americans are going to pay the price for people who are either too young to have established good credit or who have not responsibly managed their own. How can this continue? Yeah, I, I mean, first, uh, think about it. First, you got to pay for uh, <clears throat> their student loan debt. Now you have to help pay for their mortgage uh, by having a higher cost on your. I mean, it's like this is this is the radical policies that we now have, and it 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 makes no sense. But this is this is straight up socialism. This is like, oh, we're going to make you pay more because you can, and we're going to make others pay less because we think they can't. That is straight up socialism, and it's baloney. But um, yeah, that, that's the first thing that came to my mind is first you got to pay their student loan debt. Now you got to pay their mortgage. Um, it, it's, it's wrong and we all know it's wrong. And, uh, again, uh, I don't know that we're going to be able to change it until we get a new but president. This was, now, this but this wasn't done legislatively, right? This is, this right, is, this is a Biden EO. Yeah, exactly. And this should, this kind of stuff should be, you're changing fundamental law here. This should be going through the, through the, uh, through the Congress, um, but they're 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 going to do it executive order. I'm I'm sure this gets challenged in in, in court, and then uh, but you know meanwhile uh, you're you're stuck paying more money. It's uh it's wrong, and we know it. Yeah, and and you know the real frustrating thing for you know the responsible homeowners we're talking about. Even if you win in court, it's going to take a long time for that to happen. And if you're paying the freight uh, while all of this is working its way through the courts, even if you win, are are there going to be are there going to be repayments? I mean, are these people going to get their money back? That that's what I want to know. Once this takes effect. Yeah, no kidding. I, I, I just sometimes you just sit back and laugh, and you look at the left, and you're like, these people are crazy. They're, you know, again, we've talked about it many times, but when Sarah Huckabee Sanders said that the divide in America's days is between normal and crazy, this is crazy. It's like what? The, so the people who've worked hard, developed good credit, they got to pay more because the people who haven't developed good credit get to pay less. You, you, you paid for your your son or daughter's college, or they worked their way through school, paid for their 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 loans, their their college tuition. 
but now you got to pay for someone else's. Like yeah. none of this makes sense. Um, well, just it, it goes back to the community Re- community reinvestment act that was uh, that was put in place by Carter originally, then strengthened when Bill Clinton was in office, and we, it led to the recession that we had in two thousand eight two thousand nine. It literally yeah. led to that. This is forcing banks to make bad loans to put borrowers who weren't going to be able to pay for them, and now and, and who had to pay uh, to 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 um, uh, get those banks all out of uh, uh, you know out of the the holes that yeah. they were in. We did. We had to yes. pay higher bank fees. We had to pay higher interest rates on our loans because of that, and now they're doing it. It's just that the instead tarp, of doing it after the fact, they're doing it in front of it. The TARP money, the, the bank bailout money, that, that yeah, that, 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 the taxpayers got hit with that, too, so... No, you're exactly right. Speaking of bailouts, let's talk about the debt ceiling bill. Obviously, we talked about it last week when it was introduced. Mm-hmm. It's a solid bill, but of course, it was immediately panned by uh, everybody on the left saying, we just need a clean debt ceiling hike. We don't need uh, all of this uh, this spending cuts. Will Biden come to the table at all, do you think? Yeah, I think he said so yesterday that he's going to, you know, he's going to have the leaders, the congressional leaders at the White House next week, I think maybe next Tuesday. Um so yeah, I mean, you, you knew he'd, you would, he would he would finally see the light and, and realize that you can't take the ridiculous position he took uh, that he was taking. Um, now they, they still kind of say some of the things, but there's a meeting happening at next uh, I think next Tuesday, um, the, the the ninth I believe. So um, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and Joe Biden says, "Oh, just let me borrow more money, no strings attached, so I can continue record spending, record inflation, record debt." And the country says, "You're crazy." And members of Congress, even Democrats, are beginning to say, no, no, I think we better, we better talk with, with the Speaker and with the House of Representatives to pass something that would actually put us on a good path and, and, and begin to get control of this crazy situation. So uh, I do think that's going to happen, and then we'll see what, uh, what, what, what comes out of those negotiations. Yeah, I hope they happen. You know, I know he said it yesterday, but he has said a lot of things that he hasn't followed through on. So we'll see if he actually sits down in good faith or if this is just a, a photo op and a political stunt. He has no interest because, you know, he's got a base to answer to, too. And they they certainly cannot stand the idea that the Republicans want to rein in the radical spending and actually, you know, save what is it, four and a half trillion dollars over 10 years, which is what this bill actually does. Yep. Um Congressman, uh, pivoting to another Biden and another financial situation, can we learn anything about Hunter Biden's illegal dealings with his father, his income, uh, uh, not just present but past, from what he went through yesterday, which was uh, phase one, I think, of what could be, a, I think it's a June hearing or trial or whatever mm-hmm. over paternity and getting his child support for his illegitimate child reduced. The judge started probing into his financials there. Is there anything yeah. that can come from that that might lead us to some 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 answers on the uh, the entire Biden family? Yeah, I think there's potential there. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. What I do know is what, what the Oversight Committee and, and under the chairman of there have covered already. But, you know, you think about it, I think it's 170-plus uh, different suspicious activity reports. I think that represents thousands of pages of, of documents about that suspicious activity in, in banking transactions. And you now have multiple multiple LLCs that were formed to receive these payments that are part of the suspicious activity reports coming from foreign entities, foreign countries, and a dozen Biden uh, family members receiving the payment. So that is all going, and that in and of itself looks kind of strange. That you, why, you have, why do you need so many, you know, I think now a couple dozen different LLCs to receive this money? Why not just one LLC if you were a legitimate business? And then, of course, I always say the fundamental question is, what, what service did the Bidens provide to receive the money? What, were, what value were they adding? What work were they doing? 
and, and you can't really find anything. It's like, what, what, you know, because some people, you know, there's some people who take money, they have a big fund, and then they manage that fund, get a return for the people who invested in that fund, and they, they make a percentage of the, of, of, uh, for their work, but they're doing the investing, they're overseeing the fund, they're doing real work, real value is being added to that. You don't see that here based on what we've, what, what, what the, the chairman has said about, uh, what they've discovered thus far. So how that fits in with what's going on in Arkansas in this case, we'll have to wait and see. But I think there's enough already that everyone says, like, what the heck is going on here? Congressman, uh, last thing, and this one's going to be on Hunter as well, because Tony Blinken yesterday sat down for an interview, and in this interview, uh, he was asked specifically about what you and I talked about last week with uh, with uh, David Morrell, uh, saying that it was Tony Blinken who was responsible for the letter that was written and signed by 51 uh, former intelligence uh, officers, uh, saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. He was asked about this yesterday. He denied it and said, it wasn't my idea. I didn't ask for it. I didn't solicit it. Uh, and then he was asked by the interviewer, do you accept that the laptop is not Russian disinformation? He refused to say it wasn't. He said, from my perspective, I'm not engaging in politics. I've got a lot on my agenda. Congressman, even now, after all of this, it's been an accepted fact by virtually everyone, but the Secretary of State cannot and will not say that that laptop is legitimate. And he's the Secretary of State. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Mike Morrell was asked specifically. Uh, he was asked specifically. Uh, oh, Mike uh, Morrell. So the, Sorry. So the call from the call from uh, the contact from Tony Blinken on the seventeenth. What prompted you to put the letter together? Yes, it did. So that. So it was the Blinken. Now, whether Blinken said, "Can you put the letter together?" Okay, the, I, 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 he must not have said that based on based on what he said yesterday in his interview. But his contact of Mike Morrell, and understand, he contacted Mike Morrell twice that day. First. He gets the, uh, he contacts him and asks him about, you know, could this be Russian information operation, da 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 da. That prompts him to look into it. Later that day, Tony Blinken also sends him a story from USA Today about the fact that it might be Russian information, the, the Hunter Biden issue. So there was two, two things he did that day to prompt Morrell to put it together. Of course, Morrell did it. Morrell was looking to try to be CIA director in the Biden administration. So I mm-hmm. think he was eager to do things that were going to help the campaign. That's how it played out. So, uh, Secretary of State Blinken can say what he wants, but we might, this is Mike Morrell testifying under oath, and he gets that specific question, he gives that answer. So, yeah, this is what prompted it. Now, to, to the fact that he won't admit that, that this, is, uh, this wasn't a Russian operation, you know, go figure. That's, that's again, just how, how the left operates, it seems to me. Yeah, it's it's just incredible that he can look uh, the American people in the eye and just tell direct lies like that. He knows full well that it was not. He knows full well what happened, and he refuses to say so, which I guess is par for the course. And thank you for the correction. I said David Merrill. My apologies. Congressman Jim Jordan, a lot of uh, stuff on your plate right now. I know that. Thank you so much for letting us know what's going on. We you appreciate bet. it. We'll talk to you soon. Good to talk to you. Thank Thanks, you, sir. Bob. Thank you. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take this time out now at 9.55. we got Peter Kirsten out coming up after the top of the hour. Told you, anytime we can hit the Daily Double, that's a win for us. Jordan and Kersenau, and of course, we'll welcome you when the, uh, when the clock allows at 216-901-0945. Right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Always right into our number two. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the second morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord 2023. 
As noted a few moments ago when we spoke with Jim Jordan, he was just the uh, the opener, and now the uh, nightcap of the doubleheader heads our way. He, of course, is the longest-serving commissioner in the history of the United States uh, Civil Rights Commission. He's a lawyer. He is a best-selling author. He is a columnist. He is a sometimes law professor. He's the host of the Kersenau Report, and he is our regular Tuesday commentator, Peter Kersenau, everybody. <laughs> The Daily Double has been hit. Hey, Pete, good morning, my friend. How are you? Uh, not well, Bob. Uh, you know, I was sitting next to my phone last week expecting to get drafted. I was watching. I thought maybe mid of the <laughs> mid first round or so. But when I started to drop, I started to get a little worried. No call came. I think I'm checking the phone lines to be sure that somehow a call didn't come through. I must have missed it. But uh, another year, and uh, apparently they've made another mistake. I didn't get drafted. You got a better shot of being drafted by Lloyd Austin than you do by uh, an NFL G. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> because so they're going to need somebody to fight the uh, fight the uh, the Chinese when the time comes, or the Russians, or a combination thereof. Uh, so you better be prepared for that, Pete. Um, all kidding aside, I, I wasn't going to lead with this. I was going to lead with the same thing that I talked to Jim Jordan about. Uh, you know, I led with him about which is you know Title Forty Two coming to an end and what that's going to do to this country. Uh, but I'm going to hit this just since we're here uh, and kind of talking about this. Um, recruitment is so bad. In the United States Navy, they have resorted. And I don't understand how this solves the problem. So don't get me wrong. Don't you don't don't shoot the messenger here. But the reality of the story is the recruitment is so bad they have resorted to using drag queen influencers to try to attract quote a wide range of new troops as recruitment plummets. The, this is a Daily Wire. Uh, I'm sorry, Daily Caller, beg your pardon. The Navy brought on a drag queen who's an active-duty sailor to a digital ambassador program aimed at targeting a wide, uh, targeting a wider array of potential recruits through digital platforms like Instagram. The Navy is seeking uh, different ways of reaching younger recruits as it faces a historic recruiting crisis. An effort, indeed, is being made to connect recruiting to the interests and concerns of Gen Z. Lieutenant Ian Clark and PO third class Kyle Atkinson wrote for the U.S. Naval Institute Journal in January. So, Pete, that's what we need, as far as I'm concerned, a, lot, a bunch more drag queens and cross dressers serving on naval ships. I feel safer already, don't you? Well, you know, maybe they should put Bud Light in charge of the Pentagon. This is uh, getting ridiculous. You know, I mean, we can joke about this, and we should. We should really joke about this, but it has serious concerns. We are not militarily ready. We know that we're running out of weapons, in fact, because they're all going over to Ukraine. And nobody in our brilliant media pauses to ask the most corrupt president in the history of the United States why he got so much money and his family got so much money from Ukraine and all the cities, I'm sorry, all the countries from which he received huge amounts of money seem to be benefiting from United States policies. We are witnessing the corruption of the United States from top to bottom. The military is not exempt from that. You know, you look at what used to attract people to the military. It was patriotism, it was honor, it was duty, and it was a macho ethic. There's no doubt about that. You know, you think about um, and I'm not, I'm not saying macho excludes women or anybody else like that, but it was a macho of you know uh, 
Rush used to say, killing people and breaking things. That's what it's all about. And when you start talking about drag queens and drag queen store, it's the antithesis of it's that. It's okay to call that going... macho, Pete. I apologize. I, I just want to correct what you said. It's okay to call that macho. I am sick and tired of pretending there are no differences between men and women. There are. Masculinity is a thing. It is very, very, I won't say exclusive to men, but it is, it is, it is inherent in men. Um, femininity is inherent in women. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Now, are there some women who can become and, and act and maybe even have masculine personality? Sure, but they are then they are thus the outliers for their their sex. They're not the, the you know yeah. they're, they're not the norm. So I, I yeah, the military is supposed to be filled, you said it exactly right, with people who are willing to kill people and break things. Um, and that does constitute a certain amount of masculinity, macho, machismo, whatever it is you want to call it, but guts and courage. And I'm a, I'm so sick and tired of saying, well, you know it doesn't have to be men that way, but it really, really does. The way the places you want so-called toxic masculinity are in the military, are in law enforcement, are in any endeavor where you, it requires aggression, strength, bravery. And that's not to say that women don't share some of those qualities, but the essence of aggression and masculinity comes from males. There's no doubt about that. That's why they call it toxic masculinity. Thank God for toxic masculinity. Without Amen. it, the world would be in bad shape. The world... People wouldn't be taking the kind of risks that men take. These are all measurable qualities. We've seen it throughout history. You don't need a scientist to tell you these things. Men take risks women would not take in general. Those are generalities for all those people who get the vapors when everybody makes a, a just manifestly true statement. I don't want a military. I, no, I put it this way. I hope that China and Russia fields a military filled with Dylan McVaney's or Mc, whatever his M name Mulvaney, is. Mulvaney, yeah. Mulvaney's, right. Give me a military like that that I have to face. I'd rather face those guys than a military filled with Mike Tyson's. That, it's just that simple. And everybody knows that, but we're trying to deny it. We are, we've reached, I think we're beyond peak insanity, Bob. We are beyond peak illusion, delusions. And this is the consequence of that. And given well, just... that, go ahead, Bob. Well, I was just going to just jump in on that, you know, what you just said about who you'd rather fight. I mean, just like the Biden administration policies invite uh, people to come in and, and invade our country and cross our border illegally, posting news like this and announcing to the world that we are trying to attract more Navy sailors by using drag queen influencers, it, it, it invites an attack. I mean, if I'm... If if I'm if I'm a a, a leader uh, in or in a, in a high ranking military position or uh, you know administrative executive position for a country that is an adversary of the United States and there are plenty of them that have the ability uh, to bring to wage war on us I'm looking at this and saying just keep watching in in it, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like in Braveheart hold hold. Hold, and then as soon as you see they're drafting drag queens for their navy, no, yeah. hey, let's go. Right. I mean, how does that not embolden and invite an attack? This is our this it is does. our military for crying out loud. 
Yeah, weakness invites aggression. Everybody in the listening audience knows that. If they didn't know it, they sense it intuitively. And you're right about China, for example, is watching what's going on with respect to our military. We've depleted our resources. We are more concerned about drag queens in our military. And they're simply biding their time until this most propitious moment at which they can invade Taiwan. Same with what we saw. The reason why we're in Ukraine right now, the reason why Russia is in Ukraine right now, is because they saw what happened in Afghanistan. Weakness, and we predict this, Bob, you and I, and frankly, millions of others, but we said it on the air back when we had that debacle of withdrawal from Afghanistan. We said, China and Russia are watching this, and they're going to take note and make aggressive moves, and they are. They're doing it right now. We can't afford to do this kind of lunacy. But if I were a 17, 18-year-old young man, and I saw what was happening to our military, I'd be dissuaded from joining. And I'm fairly aggressive. Totally. You know, I mean, uh, I was one of those guys. I, was, I, I didn't serve in the military. Um, my family has, but I didn't serve in the military. I, you know, was on the verge of going to West Point, decided instead to follow uh, Ed Marinero because he was, you know, about to get the Heisman Trophy. But um, nonetheless, if I was witnessing what I'm witnessing, I wouldn't be going to, uh, into the military. That's not what you want to do. You want to do something in which, as a male... Sorry, all you woke folks out there. As a male, you had have pride in, and I'd have pride in demonstrating how strong I was, how tough I was, how agile I was. That's what you take pride in. Frankly, all the other woke stuff, I like inclusivity. I like all that other, you know, other kind. It's very nice to be inclusive, but to me, you know what? That doesn't attract me, doesn't raise my martial instincts, doesn't want me... Men are designed to protect and defend. We are. Sorry again for you wokesters out there. It's a matter of biology. This is what happens. If we don't get a chance to express that, we're going to lose interest. We're going to find some other endeavor. Better believe it. And nobody is going to want to enlist if they know they're going to be trapped on a ship uh, serving with a bunch of people that make them exceedingly uncomfortable. And, and they do, especially because of the way these kinds of things are flaunted in the name of inclusivity. <laughs> We used to make fun of this song and, and the way that it portrayed the Navy. The Navy just made life imitate this art. Back with Kirsten now after this on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. I um, I sent that story, Peter Kersenow, to uh, some Navy friends of mine, or Navy uh, veterans who were friends of mine, uh, last night when I first saw that story, and they were just livid. They're cringing at this. Sure. The stereotype has always been a bit of a... You know, it's it's been there. It's it, it's existed that you know the, in the Navy is uh, you know in this village people song from 1977 or whatever it was didn't do it any favors. But uh, they look at this stuff and they're like, "What are you? Are you serious? This is going to take people who might actually feel the call to go and serve in the United States Navy, and it's going to make them flee and run in the other direction because they don't want to be uh, associated with this sort of thing." 
It's crazy. Sure. You know, if you were uh, if you were trying actively to destroy the military, what you what would you be doing differently than what the Biden administration is doing? Well, what would you be doing differently? And it's not an exaggeration to say that this administration is replete with individuals who actively hate the military yeah. and who hate the United States of America. That's not an exaggeration. You can see it with your own eyes. Listen to what they had to say before they got into office. They'll modulate themselves now because, of course, they're in office. But uh, nonetheless, this is a, a dangerous uh, road we're going down. We've been going down for quite some time. And if we don't reverse course... Our adversaries are going to take advantage of us, and let's just hope that that advantage doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to lead to something horrific. But it could very, you know, the domino effect of these, you can't predict how far it's going to go. And it's these little things, these little chipping away of our structure, of our institutions, that are going to lead to the kind of debacles that we have hoped to avoid for quite some time now, but are becoming more and more prevalent. We're weakening from within, we're doing, and, and it's something that's being promoted actively by our so-called leaders. Again, what would you be doing differently if you weren't trying to actively destroy our military institutions? Just a can't, shame. Can't think of it. Can't think of anything differently. What would you do differently if you were trying to actively destroy the United States homeland beyond what they are doing at our southern border? Two things. Yeah. We're going to start this, Peter. Number one, Title 42 ends in uh, nine days on May 11th. Over 90,000 Migrants, illegal immigrants have crossed in the last 10 days, according to U.S. Border Patrol. In the last 10 days, 73,000 that turned themselves in. And then, of course, uh, uh, were released, uh, pending their asylum hearings, which they, you know, they're, they, which they will not have until uh, at least four to six years down the line. That's how backed up they are. They are. Uh, around 17,000 of them were known gotaways. This is in advance of Title 42 coming to an end. They expect a crush of people to to uh, to cross at that particular point in time. And then Peter, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre said yesterday from the podium, the diversity hire who's black and gay, if you didn't know that, she's black and gay. She wants you to be sure that you know that, said that illegal immigration is down 90% thanks to the policies of the Biden administration. Peter, I've heard... I've heard tall tales before. I've heard some whoppers before. But routinely, they're setting new records for illegal border crossings uh, every day of the Biden administration. And she literally just declared that it's cut. It's been cut by 90 percent. I don't understand how you can. How do you stay on the job with a with a whopper like that one? Well, how you stay on the job is when you have an entire press corps that is not a press corps. It's your cheerleaders. And you saw that the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where Biden is saying that, you know, all I've got to do is answer your questions, and, or not answer your questions, simply sit down there, and then I walk away when you ask, ask questions. They will not ask, they were not asked questions because they're on the same team as Biden and the Democrats. Nobody cares about this stuff in the media <clears throat> unless it's a Republican. And, of course, if a Republican drops a piece of paper on the ground, of course, it's Armageddon. But we are seeing the active destruction of the United States of America, not an exaggeration. The spikes in crime related to illegal immigrants, for example, like you said, you know, we've got this uh, guy who shot five people um, in Texas. A legal immigrant killed five people. And what does KJP talk about? Guns. Not illegal immigration, but guns. And I didn't see any gun just jump across the border and shoot anybody. 
It was in the hands of an illegal immigrant. Mm -hmm. We've got so many problems in this country that are a direct result of the failure of the press to hold the administration. The administration knows they can do anything they want to with impunity. The press won't hold them accountable. And if you talk to at least 60 to 50 to 60 percent of the American people, they have absolutely no idea what's going on because they rely upon the press to inform them. And they, let's face it, let's, many of these folks have got very difficult jobs. They're very busy with their families. <clears throat> They don't have time to study things the way many of us do to see what is the truth of a particular situation. So they rely on the press, and what they get from the press is either silence or lies. The most corrupt press in our history, combined with the most corrupt presidential administration in our history, is leading the United States into a sewer, and it's happening faster than we could ever expect. And, you know, it's going to come a point where it may be irreversible. I Typically, I don't say things like that because... I think of the resilience of the United States of America and all the great people that listen to this show who would fight against any kind of further deterioration in the United States of America, but they control. The left controls every major institution, all the levers of power. And what do we get to do? There's not a whole lot we can do about it except vote. But again, a lot of us don't trust the vote for a variety of reasons. And the media is trying to tell us we're idiots and insane for having questions about things such as that. Pete, let, me, so, uh, let me interrupt you to close out this particular half hour uh, by sharing this with you. I just saw this. It came across my screen. It's an hour old. Jennifer Griffin from Fox News reporting, quote, Biden administration is weighing sending 1,500 active-duty U.S. troops to the southern border ahead of the lifting of Title 42 on May 11th amidst concerns that the tens of thousands of migrants on the other side of the border in Mexico may try to cross. Uh, the soldiers would come from a variety of active-duty Army units, would serve in administrative and transport roles to free up law enforcement and border patrol. This is the model used by the Trump administration. The U.S. troops would be armed for self-defense, but not for law enforcement. Quick thoughts, Pete? Yeah, two years too late and about one-tenth the force that's needed. This, uh, I, I can't believe, and then what they will do with the press complicity is they were going to say a year from now that we took action that no other administration would take. We sent troops to the border. You know, they're going to do that, and frankly, the press is going to go along with them. And a decisive portion of the American voting populace will agree. We'll say, oh, yeah, Biden's doing whatever he can. He's getting very Key low words. approval ratings now because in the in the early part of any administration, you try to get through all the things that your ideology wants you to get through that everyone rejects, and then you shift again. You pivot in time for the election to do the popular things. We're in trouble, Bob. Pete, we'll talk about this on the other side of the news here, but just think about this during the break. The two key words there that I read were admin and transport. That's what Jennifer Griffin reported. She said exclusive that these Army personnel would be used in admin and transport roles. What that says to me is they're not going to stop them. They're there to help process them and then transport them, meaning drive them and transport them up into the United States where they will be released. Transport right. is, is catch and release. It's just going to be much yep. more efficient now because they're bringing 1,500 more soldiers down there, not to stop them, but to help facilitate their arrival. That's what I see happening. Let's talk more about that on the other side. Peter Kirsten, I'll back with us after this. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. A little disappointed in my uh, producer today. Johnny's usually Johnny on the spot with the music. Uh, nothing from Gordon Lightfoot. 
84 years old. Gordon Lightfoot passed away. Uh, I've got a lot of his songs on my playlist. I like mellow, soft rock type stuff. Sorry, uh, not sorry. And uh, Gordon Lightfoot's a legend, and uh, he passed away. Nothing, no tribute, nothing at all. A little, a little disappointed, a little sad. We'll get some going. Kersenow is with us as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, Peter, I've got two more quickies on the uh, the uh, immigration issue and Title 42 and what's about to happen here. This one is actually a week old, this story, but I don't think I've asked you about it, and I want to know what your thoughts are uh, about this one. Illegal aliens who identify themselves as LGBTQ may not be detained under a new bill being pushed by uh, uh, congressional Democrats. The Dignity for Detained Immigrants Act by uh, Pramila Jayapal and Cory Booker sets minimum standards for detention facilities. Uh, among other things, it would use private detention facilities. Uh, hold on, this is a different part of the story. Where is the line I'm looking for? Here it is. Um, it would make it harder to hold illegal aliens in custody if they qualify as a, quote, vulnerable person. A vulnerable person might be someone who is gay, lesbian, or transgender, or who doesn't speak English. Um, which I, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but wouldn't that be almost every single one of the illegal aliens, Peter? This is, a, this is just another way, I, and again, I can't, can't quite put my finger on this to figure out what the hell it is that they are trying to accomplish here, but they are literally trying to uh, overrun this country with illegals. This is, an inva- this is an invasion, and they tell us that we're conspiratorial if we talk about the Great Replacement Theory. Uh, every single thing that they do, either from the White House or from uh, the, the Democrat offices in Congress, uh, is to surrender American sovereignty and to not hold these people accountable and deport them where they came from. Go ahead. That's exactly right. About six or seven years ago, I don't remember precisely when it was, we had a hearing at the Civil Rights Commission. Remember my old saw about if you want to know what the left has planned for the United States uh, five years from now, come to a Ameri- uh, Civil Rights Commission hearing today. So we had a hearing, and of course, this was precisely what a number of witnesses were saying should happen, that uh, anybody who is LGBTQ+, plus whatever it may be, but especially trans uh, sexuals should be permitted to come into the United States without virtually any kind of questioning, detention, or anything else like that, that they should be just simply given a free pass, which means, of course, the Russians and the Chinese and, you know, the terrorist groups could send somebody over and put a wig on them. I don't mean to be, you know, demeaning of anybody, but, you know, they'd get a free pass. We don't have uh, a sovereign country anymore, uh, and the kind of policies that the administration, the left generally, is promoting is going to end up completely eroding our sovereignty, but also it is damaging so many of our institutions just dramatically. It's, it, you can go to the southern border, for example, and see what's going on with respect to law enforcement, with respect to education. And it's not just the southern border anymore. It's now migrated up to virtually most of the United States has been <clears throat> affected by it. Here in Northeast Ohio, we are fortunate that we don't see much of it. For whatever reason, we and you know some other parts of the United States have not been affected the way so many other places have been. But it's coming. You know, it's just a matter of time. And what the left is going to try to do and has been trying to do is get to a critical mass where we no longer have the ability to control our own outcomes, to control our own borders, that the amount of illegal immigration will be so great that it will overwhelm the country, not necessarily from a political standpoint, although that's a chief feature of this, because at some point, believe it, and you know your audience knows this, 
They're going to ask for amnesty for everybody. Uh, they just want to get to the point where they can politically do it, and they're going to ask for amnesty, and they're going to lock in what they believe to be a permanent progressive majority forever and ever. Amen. So this is horrific what's happening. It's um, increasing our crime rate, burdening our public schools, burdening our infrastructure, increasing the drug um, flow into the country. The cost is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. Mark Krikorian has calculated it. It's astonishing what's happening. And we don't have to, we don't have to fight any wars. Or they, the, our enemies don't have to fight any wars against us. We're doing it to ourselves. The left is destroying the United States of America. Yeah, there's there's no real way to dispute that, and I, mean, I don't even know if they try to be honest with you. They they we're being kind, we're being considerate, we're being uh, supportive of people, we're we're respecting our asylum laws. And I guess that would be my last question for you in this issue, Pete. Is how can we and when will we change our asylum laws so that somebody can't you know uh, you know country shop if you will if they if they escape whatever persecution they claim that they are facing in their home country and they find safety in another country they don't get to just skip right on through and get to a better one um, it, it should be the first uh, 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 source of refuge uh, refuge for you that you that you take advantage of but uh, our asylum laws have to change do you think they will? Yeah, but unfortunately for the worse. Um, I don't think, I don't see anything in the near horizon. Republicans are scared to death of these issues. They don't really push back that much. The only uh, avenue we have to strengthen our border security is by voting, getting more conservatives in office who will do the right thing. And that includes not just at the congressional level, we do need legislation there, not just at the presidential level, but the local level, especially in border states, but everywhere. We have to take our sovereignty seriously. We cannot sustain the world. And that's precisely what is happening right now. Everybody knows if they can get to the southern border, they get a free pass into the United States, and it's easy living. You know, you're going to probably get put up at a four-star hotel someplace in New York City. If you make it that far, you're going to get three squares. You're going to have a pretty good life at the cost of the American taxpayer. But, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. At some point, all of this implodes. And we're getting very close, perilously close to that point. And the the calculations that have been done by the um, Center for Immigration Studies and other venues show that we're just about there. The critical mass is such that we cannot sustain this anymore. The crime, the drugs, the cost, the the, the effect on the infrastructure, our public schools. Um, I, I say again, if you wanted to destroy the United States of America, what would you be doing differently? Yeah, no question about it. Peter, um, I did a good job yesterday, I felt, of not talking about the White House Correspondents' Dinner because I have for years, <laughs> I, I just, I abhor the entire thing. I think it is a horrific idea. Everybody says, oh, you're going to get there a little levity. I, I don't want levity from people who are destroying my country. I don't want them standing up there and cracking wise, making fun of, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, tearing down, insulting, and so on and so forth. The people who have already faced enough from them and him I don't even like it when a Republican president is there. I don't like it at all. So yesterday I ignored it completely. But when you and I were prepping for this morning, you said you wanted to hit on it. So, Peter, ruin my perfect day here. Talk about the House Correspondents' Dinner. Yeah, and I understand your sentiment, Bob. I never watch it. Uh, I remember I was invited once when I was living in Washington when I was on the National Labor Relations Board. And, uh, you know, I was invited by very nice people, and I thought, uh, you know, I should be uh, courtesy, uh, as a courtesy to them, I should go. And I decided last minute, I can't go there. That's not me. And that's the point, Bob. For all of your listeners, they know it's not them. This is a, a, They call it the nerd prom for a reason. You've got these incompetent so-called elites. They got there by virtue of 
Let's face it, happenstance and luck. Some of them are pretty good at what they do. Most of them are not because they don't do their chief function, that is report the news and hold those in power accountable. They'll do so if there's a Republican in office, but if there's a Democrat in office, they go along with the program, they promote the program. They will give the commander-in-chief, so-called commander-in-chief, prep notes and actual questions that they're going to ask. And they don't follow up and ask the tough questions. This administration has taken the United States into the depths, into the bowels. And do you see, hear anything about, do you hear anything about Hunter Biden's laptop? It's just a minor thing, frankly, in the grand scheme of things, when you look at crime and, and drugs and immigration and what's happening with China and Russia. But nonetheless, it gives you an insight as to what's going on in the deep depth of the corruption in this administration. No, you didn't hear anything about that at all. You cannot trust anything from the media. They're simply stenographers for the party in power. And when you have something like that, look, I have more respect for the old uh, Pravdas and uh, Ivestias and, and uh, places like that because they had to report falsehoods because they had a gun pointed at their head, literally and figuratively. These guys do it voluntarily, and, it's, and they can see with their own eyes how much the United States is deteriorating as a result of their facilitating this administration, yet they don't care. That's the definition of un-American. I cannot for the life of me understand how an American can sit there and laugh in the face of everything that's going on in the United States today. There are serious problems here that if they do not abate soon are going to culminate, and this is sounds like hyperbole, but it's going to culminate in the destruction of the United States. Hey, Bob, real quick, uh, one of your listeners asked me to remind everybody that there is a, a levy in Parma, a uh, school levy in Parma right now. I don't have an opinion one way or another, but it's a voting day. It is. And yeah, I had somebody call me about that yesterday with some very, very poignant comments about that and telling people to vote against that levy. So uh, I, I, I'll just pass that along. And based on everything I heard yesterday, if I was a Parma voter, I would be uh, I would be uh, uh, doing the same thing. Um, yeah. So, Pete. Yeah. So 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 much of what you just said, you know, for them to stand there and laugh. I, I, I guess what really made me mad is, you know, the guy that was up there, you know, making fun of Tucker Carlson and making fun of conservatives, making fun of the press pool and everything else while they chuckled at it and didn't even realize how much he was insulting them and all these other things. This is the guy that oversaw so much of what has destroyed this country in the last three years from the lockdowns, from, and not that, you know, this obviously happened in March of 2020 and the whole lockdowns were during the Trump administration, but the policies that he put in place after it, uh, making mandatory these jabs in order to have your job that have caused Lord knows only how many people their lives or their health. Uh, he did that. He immediately came in and made our bills all higher by, by intentionally spiking inflation, intentionally spiking energy costs. All of these things that he has done by t- declaring war on the fossil fuel industry, um, giving hundreds of billions of our dollars to a foreign country uh, to fight a proxy war against the Russians. I mean, there, there are just so many things that he has done, not to mention we spent a good 15, 20 minutes on the border. There's so, there's so many things that he has done to, to make our lives more difficult and in some cases to put our lives in jeopardy, I don't need chuckle time with with Joe Biden. I need him in his office. I need him trying to figure out how to undo all of the damage he's done. I don't need him there making you know light of all of the situations that he himself has caused. So that that's my biggest problem with it. Um, and I'm glad you didn't go. I'm glad you thought better of it when you had that invitation. Good for you because yeah, I wouldn't have gone. Yeah, and you know what? I, we should be complicit in this. You know, I think a lot of those folks there who have, you know, room temperature IQs, I'm sorry. They 
they think that they're a part of the elite. You know, they like yucking it up, and they don't see palpably what's before them. That is the decline in the United States of America. Yeah, we've got some temporary comforts out here. We, you know, we have a, a, compared to the rest of the world, a good standard of living. But all of the glue, all of the mortar that holds this greatest nation in the history of the world together is being torn apart, is being dissipated as we speak. And for those of us who've been around for a while, we recognize it, we see it, and we see the coming debacle, the coming calamity. We're already there, frankly, because everything, every major metric has gotten worse under Biden. I won't recite them all. Your audience knows them. From Thank crime you. to inflation, you name it. Everything has gotten worse, yet they're yucking up, and they want us to have four more years. We, uh, four more years, I am not exactly sure, and this is not hyperbole. You hear this from time to time. I'm not sure the United States will be recognizable in another four years. I'm not sure we can claw it back anymore. We are there right now. What I've been saying for the last several years, we're at or near the tipping point. Don't know which side of it we're on. History will determine whether or not we've gone over the edge, but we are there. Now, tipping points in the grand scheme of things in the life of a nation could last a decade, two decades, three decades, but we are no doubt there. And can we pull it back? I don't know. When you look at what's going on with our schools, you look at going on with our other institutions, and the kind of, frankly, corruption, and I'm not talking about political corruption, but I'm talking about spiritual corruption that's going on in almost Every endeavor, every institution, but especially in our schools and what they're doing to our young people and causing them, um, look, the, the stats are there, the mental problems that people are having, aside from their alienation from the United States of America and their understanding right. of the precepts of this country that made it so great. Dr. Davis Hanson thinks we're beyond the tipping point, and a lot of other people who are a lot smarter and, and uh, learned than I am. And uh, from a cultural standpoint, I think, you know, we're beyond it. And if you don't, control the culture in a positive direction you lose everything else peter kirsten a phenomenal job as always pete you put in the hard work we appreciate it well a job well done go ahead and have yourself a cold bud light still waiting by the phone for the draft call you're not going to respond to the bud light call <laughs> you're just going to take that huh wow i expected a little bit of a pushback there for the bud light uh, uh, ref- recommendation no I've, i had my last bud light several years ago i think <laughs> that's not happening it was poor beer to begin with <laughs> pete you do pete you do one of your uh 12 mile morning runs like you were you were uh i think you were you were slacking off last thursday you only went nine or nine and a half or something you didn't finish it but you do one of your 12 mile morning runs and then you, you you know you come off of the track or wherever it is you do your running, and there's you're gasping and you're tired and you're thirsty and there's no Gatorade to be found. There's no water to be found. There's nothing except somebody standing there holding an ice cold Bud Light and they hand it to you. What do you do? I open it up and spray it in their face and I go look for a Coors. <laughs> that's better. That's a, that's a little more personal. That's a little more personal. That's what I wanted to hear. Peter, thank you, my friend. All right, take care, Bob. We'll talk to you soon. It's 1052, Always Right Radio. Gordon Lightfoot. There it is. The golden voice of Gordon. Canadian uh, singer, 84 years old, passed away, they say, due to natural causes. Uh, So, yeah, I want to give a little tribute to him. I've got enough of his music on my playlist. Uh, Hopefully you do the same. Getting lost in her loving is your first mistake. Something you better take care. And you've been creeping round my back stairs. 
10.56. Great stuff from Kersenow. Great stuff from Jim Jordan earlier. And now great stuff from you. We're guest-free the rest of the way. Next hour is yours, almost an hour. 216 I didn't play this yesterday, but I should, and I'm going to do it now because I absolutely love it. Uh, if you did not hear about the Middleborough um, Public School... 12-year-old, Middleborough, Massachusetts, public school 12-year-old, who um, took it upon himself to dress down the school board at Middleborough, or in Middleborough, dressed down the school board for booting him, or for because his teachers, rather, booted him from school for wearing a shirt that they objected to. Was it profane? Did it have the middle finger? Did it have rap lyrics? What was so offensive about the shirt? Well, let's listen to the 12-year-old boy who had the guts to grab a microphone and write out and read his address to the school board. Hello. Good evening. My name is Liam Morrison. I live at 519 Wareham Street. I'm in the 7th, 10th grade at Nichols Middle School. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. I never thought that the shirt I wore to school on March 21st would lead me to speak with you today. On that Tuesday morning, I was taken out of gym class to sit down with two adults for what turned out to be a very uncomfortable talk. I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt, that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. Yes, words on a shirt made people feel unsafe. They told me that I wasn't in trouble, but it sure felt like I was. I told I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. When I nicely told them that I didn't want to do that, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad supported my decisions and came to pick me up. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. Nothing harmful, nothing threatening. Just a statement I believe to be a fact. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? Are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school. Do you know why? Because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. No one person, staff, or student told me that they were bothered by what I was wearing. Actually, just the opposite. Several kids told me that they supported my actions and that they wanted one too. I experienced... Wait a moment. I was told that the shirt was a disruption to learning. No one got up and stormed out of class. No one burst into tears. I'm sure I would have noticed if they had. I experience disruptions to my learning every day. Kids acting out in class are a disruption, yet nothing is done. Why do the rules apply to one, yet not another? I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Their arguments were weak, in my opinion. I didn't go to school that day to hurt feelings or cause trouble. I have learned a lot from this experience. I learned that a lot of other students share my view. I learned that adults don't always do the right thing or make the right decisions. I know that I have a right to wear those five, a shirt with those five words. Even at 12 years old, I have my own political opinions, and I have a right to express those opinions. Even at school, this right is called the First Amendment to the Constitution. My hope in being here tonight is to bring the school committee's attention to this issue. I hope that you will speak up for the rest of us so we can express ourselves without being pulled out of class. Next time, it may not only be me. 
There might be more students that decide to speak out. Thank you for your time and good night. Courage and articulation in a 12-year-old boy. Don't tell me we've lost Gen Z just yet. Don't tell me. Not when there are little heroic kids like that. Hour 3 coming up on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Third hour of the program underway now, 11 minutes past 11 o'clock. It is a Tuesday, the second morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Jim Jordan and Peter Kersenow, both of whom joined us in the first couple of hours. If you missed any of that, you can get it at whkradio.com. About an hour after the show ends, the podcast of the show will be posted. You know, heroes come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. And I just want to hit a couple of them real quick here. One of them is the young boy, the 12-year-old boy, Liam Morrison, in Middleborough, Massachusetts, the seventh grader that you just heard. He wore a T-shirt to school that said there are only two genders. No profanity, no insulting, no attacks, no... Uh, slurs, nothing. A simple scientific statement backed by biology, backed by science that said there were only two genders. He was forced to leave school. They would not let him back in if he didn't take off that shirt. So he took his complaint and his experience to the school board. He was told that he was disrupting the classroom because he was wearing a shirt that maybe maybe somebody disagreed with, but nobody even said any disagreement with it. The young man said, our dis- classes are disrupted all the, th- all the time by students who do all kinds of stupid things. There's never anything done. I'm wearing a shirt. And they called those, sh- those five words uh, 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 making people feel unsafe. That kid is a hero. That kid is a leader. They come in all shapes and sizes, and yes, as it turns out, they also come in all sexes and colors, like, well, Ryan Webb. Ryan Webb might look like a typical straight white male, but this Republican county councilman in Delaware County, Indiana, is 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 not what it seems. This straight white-looking male is a lesbian woman of color. He's a Republican, and he said so. He ruffled a few feathers when he announced on Facebook last month 
that he has decided to come out, quote, and feel finally comfortable, comfortable announcing my true authentic self. It is with great relief that I announce to everyone that I identify as a woman, and not just any woman, but as a woman of color as well. I guess this makes me a gay-slash-lesbian, or this makes me gay-slash-lesbian as well, since I am attracted to women. Mr. Webb said he is indeed happily married to his wife, Brandy Webb, with whom he has six children. I'm sorry, she has six children. I'm continuing to retain my preferred pronouns of he, him. Oh, sorry, I guess I have to get this straight. And I am married to my beautiful wife, but this makes me a lesbian because I am completely in love with her, even though I am identifying now as a woman. We have six children together, so I think that more than qualifies. His detractors say he's making fun of the transgender community. They're questioning his sincerity. They're saying he's childish. They're saying he's disgraceful. They're saying he's an ignorant bigot. I say if we're supposed to believe people when they tell you what their gender is, then we have to believe people when they tell you what their gender is. And while we're at it, if somebody can say, I identify inside my own head as being a different sex, then you ought to be able to identify in your own head being a different race as well. So if he says he is a female of color, and I say we listen to him and he's and identify him as such. The councilman is coming out as a transgender as transgender and a woman of color. Delaware County Councilman Ryan Webb announced that he now identifies as an Indian American woman. Since that announcement, he's received some support but a lot of backlash, many calling him childish, despicable, even calling for things like execution. In a statement Webb gave to IT Mate, he says, quote, It is unfortunate that I cannot simply be given the same space and respect to explore my identity that so many of those targeting me demand for themselves. It's possible I may change my mind down the road. The process of identity exploration is complex, and oftentimes at the end of our personal journey, we end right back where we started. Webb goes on to tell IT Mate this is just his true, authentic self. And they're livid! They're screaming, they're calling him a bigot, they're calling him a, 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 a childish transphobe and everything else. But you know what? Who are you to judge him? If he says he feels female and Indian, then he feels female and Indian. After all, what are we? Are we bigots? Aren't we being told by the LGBTQ XYZ plus exclamation point ampersand backslash forward slash uh, community? Aren't we being told? That it's not our place to tell somebody how they feel? Aren't we being told that if somebody who is six foot nine and 290 pounds of muscle with a big heavy beard and a hairy back, if he says, I'm a female and I'm wearing this sundress and you can't tell me that I'm not a female, we're supposed to believe him and we have to call him a woman. Because trans women are real women, right? Well, if that's the standard that has been established, then Ryan Webb, county uh, county councilman in Delaware County, Indiana, is a woman. And he's a woman of color, no less. And if somebody refuses to acknowledge his identity as a female lesbian who loves his wife and who is a person of color, well, then those people need to be uh, need to be repudiated. These people need to have faced some kind of consequences for intentionally misgendering or intentionally denying someone's existence. Who are you to tell me what my truth is, Ryan Webb says. He said, they've been mad about it. 
We had a group of individuals show up at our local Delaware County Council meeting to express their fake outrage and let me know that they thought I should resign. But the support I've been getting across the country has been overwhelming. A lot of positive feedback from supporters across the nation and in Europe. Some well-wishers have urged him to seek higher office. His backers include Daily Wire podcaster Matt Walsh, who said, Wow, incredibly stunning and brave. Ryan Webb is a powerful black woman who deserves our full support and respect. I agree. Can you dig it, Ryan Webb? Well done, sir. Ma'am. Both. Good job. I hope more and more people come out of what they see, what they seem to have thought was their true authentic and, uh, authentic and realistic selves and identify as a different race and a different gender. In fact, I hope everybody does it. Because maybe the only way to illustrate the absurdity of it is to make it the norm. Make it the mainstream. There are no men. There are no women. There are only beings that decide what they are. If they decide they're dogs and cats and reptiles and lizards and aliens and men and women and little kids, if they were, if everybody just chooses to identify as something extraordinary and extraordinarily stupid, maybe then it will illustrate how dumb it is for us to be told you have to believe him, that guy over there with the beard, when he says he's a woman. You have to believe him and you have to treat him with respect as a woman. You have to call him a a she or a he or whatever uh, the preference is. And you have to uh, make sure that your children are exposed to them so they know what inclusivity and diversity looks like. It's the only way. So congratulations to female county council woman Ryan Webb uh, in Indiana. Uh, like I said, heroes come in all different shapes and sizes. And By the way, what's even better, Ryan Webb, when he announced his transition, that he was transitioning from male to female, a female of color, he put a before and after photo of himself up on his uh, Facebook post. And the exact picture, same picture is used for both. But as long as he tells you what he is, then you have to believe him. That's what we've been told, right? 216-901-0945. BJ is in North Homestead up first. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. Well, Bob, I have a couple of quick points to make. One is not too pleasant. Israel is under attack and going to be attacked. And hello to World War III if that occurs, because America is going to have to make a decision whether they will support Israel. If they do, watch out for China going into Taiwan. So the the, the blocks are all lined up now for some of these ships to fall. There will be a war before the end of next month. And if we're going to be involved, we'll know about that when that happens. You're taken up with this transgender. It's not really transgender as much as it is people are confused, perhaps, about who and what they are and where it leads to. If you put all the transgenders on an island, eventually there wouldn't be any more because where are they going to have their babies from? And we don't think about that too much. That did happen to a group of people years ago in Pennsylvania. They were a religious cult, but they didn't believe in being intimate or sexual with each other. Eventually, that group was gone because there were no babies to come. And if you have no babies, you have no future. So we have to keep that in mind. But the quagmire of all this that's going on in our little world, particularly in our world of America right now, is beyond bizarre. And because it is beyond bizarre, there's a lot of confusion in people's behavior and their thinking. 
But there always comes a revelation, no matter what, what century we look at in history, there's always been an awakening point when things are very, very difficult. And we are in that state right now. And in the gifted, wonderful 92 years I had the opportunity to live, I'm sure I offended some people with my thoughts, but I more was interested in enlightening people to their own abilities and to wake up to those abilities. And I hope that happens with the American public. Wake up to your own abilities. Participate. And wake up in the morning and thank the creator of all creation. Whatever your belief is, we live on this beautiful planet and this beautiful world. Acknowledge it. And thank you for listening, and thank you for your time. You bet, God bless PJ. you, and God bless America. Thank you. God bless you, too. Thank you, my friend. There's a meme that, uh, that went viral. It's fly around, flying around the Internet. Uh, and it basically says, if you take a deserted island and you drop, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know if it was a thousand or whatever, a thousand uh, um, women and a thousand men there, um, you're going to, in a hundred years, you're going to find a thriving community of, of people. That's what you would find. If a thousand men and a thousand women all were dropped off on a deserted island together, they would eventually pair up and they would be procreation and you would you would have a thriving community in 100 years if you take that same deserted island and put 100 men on it and 100 trans women in 100 years what you would find is the bones of of two, i think i said 100 but a thousand but the bones of 2000 people that's what you would find you would find the bones of 2000 men because they could not procreate everyone would just die because what you would have is an entire island of men. So you're exactly right, BJ, what you're talking about. And I may have misquoted uh, that tweet, or the, excuse me, that, uh, that meme that's been flying around. But, but th- that's the gist of it. If you take men and put them together with trans women, you will never have procreation. Because trans women cannot bear children. Because trans women are not women. Trans women are men. Period. Forever. That will never change. No matter how much makeup they try to put on. They cannot become pregnant they cannot procreate uh as females they simply cannot do it because they're not females joanne is in twinsburg next hi joanne go ahead well really not why i called but bj is the reason why age doesn't matter <laughs> you're right you're 100 percent right he is you know he is, i mean my know, mother I, died I, at a this... ripe old age and she had all her marbles too i was talking you know. to somebody yesterday about um about Joe Biden. You know, the fact that he's mm-hmm. 80 isn't his problem uh, right. because BJ's 92. BJ sounds right. lucid and and vibrant and energetic and and on top Engaged. of everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just the age. It's not Joe Biden's 80 years that make him, you know, a complete joke as a president and as as a president for uh, a, a presidential candidate for another 4 years. It's the fact that he's 80 and he has cognitive decline and he has some serious mental incapacities. So it, it's not like because he's 80 he can't lead. You know, there BJ at 92 could lead because he still Absolutely. is vibrant and still is energetic and still like I said is is on top of things. So and can speak and can articulate without Luring and stumbling and losing his place. So, right. you know, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because people think that yeah. we're being ageist I mean, every when time we make fun of Joe on, Biden, like... and it's not. Yeah, it's, we're yeah. not being ageist I mean, when it comes to Joe Biden. We're, we're, we're talking about a guy who just doesn't have his mental exactly. faculties. So. But the reason I called was when, when Congressman Jordan was on, he was talking about Mike Morrell and his testimony, 
And yes. didn't he say that Blinken called him and told him all this, and then Blinken called him back and said that one of the newspapers just reported that it was information? Didn't they do the same thing with the dossier to get it out there? You know, oh, the media is reporting, so it must be true. I mean, it sounds like they use the same tactic. Um, yeah, they might be similar. They're not. Yeah, it's not apples to apples exactly like that, but they're right. very, very similar. I mean, similar. in a kind of a roundabout yeah. way, but it was like, yeah. let's go back and say the media's reporting it. Maybe Morell will do something. Yeah. So that's kind of what they did, and that's kind of how they got the dossier out there, too. Yeah, no, no, there, there is definitely some truth to that. And the fact that Blinken refuses, and you know, here's all we need to know. And thank you, Joanne, for the call. Here's all we need to know about the Secretary of State. The fact that he wouldn't affirm that, yes, the laptop is real. It was never Russian disinformation. Let's you know that you cannot believe him when he said his prior statement, which is, I was not responsible for talking to Mike Morella and directing him, directing him to write a letter or do anything. He is a liar. He, when you establish yourself as a liar, then that is your reputation, and that is the, well, you forfeit any benefit of the doubt that anybody may have given you. So if you want to tell us that you didn't um, call and encourage or inspire the letter that Morrell wrote that those 51 intelligence operatives signed, if you want to say that, give us a little credibility here. Tell us, is the Russian, or excuse me, is the Hunter Biden laptop Russian disinformation? Well, I'm not into politics, I can't say. Well, not now you're done. Now you have established yourself as a liar, and therefore anything you have said uh, should not be believed. Uh, good call, Joanne. Thank you. If you're still on hold, stay there. We're coming back to you right after this on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. 1135 Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Final segment of the broadcast. We're going to just take you till 45, then let Bill O'Reilly bring us home to the top of the hour. Then you get you some Charlie Kirk, you get you some Dennis Prager, you get some Dr. G, you get get you some Seculo, you get you some... uh, Officer Tatum, stay here if you want serious discussion of the news and the political realm in which we all seem to operate. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer. Todd is in Cleveland next. Todd, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Yo, Bob, you hear me okay? Hey, Todd, it's that Todd. I haven't heard from you in a long time. I hear you fine, brother. How are you? I'm tuned in. I listen to you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I've said numerous times on your broadcast that malicious confusion mongering is at an all-time acceptance in this country and it's true and i'm being strict in my language malice with evil intent confusion a a distortion of that which is actual and mongering keeping something in perpetual motion that that 12 year old um leon morris is that how you pronounce his last name liam liam morrison liam morrison i i wish that as he was giving his as he was making his statement to the school board, he would have called out the names first and last, position and their positions with the school, of the people that supported him being exited out of there, including how long they had been there, and that's important because if you're going to put him out for stating that proven fact, proven fact that there are only two genders mm-hmm. and referencing Homo sapiens, okay. Mm-hmm. And he um, had nothing else on there but that. 
then you're going to cause confusion when he has the um, when he has to face biology classes. If he was to accept, if he was to accept that that he was wrong, which he wasn't wrong, and these are things that we we shouldn't be promoting in the taxpayer funded neighborhood public schools. His his shirt his shirt didn't say anything wrong. In addition to that, I've often said on this broadcast too, we need to get rid of transgender as a term of actuality in our society. There's nothing derogatory about saying gender masking. That is not a derogatory term. That's the best that you can do, assuming best is how you're applying this. That's the most you can do. You cannot change your gender. And I, I wish we had more discussion about embracing the term gender masking. I really I've do. Never, I've never heard anybody phrase it that way. Uh, I've said it on right. your broadcast. No, no, I'm saying I, I haven't heard anybody say it before you, and I love that. I think you're right, because that is what you're doing. I was born one gender. I don't like it, so I'm going to put a mask over it and pretend I'm the other. But but here's the thing. They don't. They would never go for that term because they want you to believe. Uh, in fact, Todd, let's tie it to Liam Morrison here. Uh, if somebody wears a shirt into Liam Morrison's class that says the phrase, trans women are real women, you think that person's getting escorted out? I don't know. They should not, though. You know doggone well they wouldn't. You know darn well they wouldn't. Because it's a protected class. It's a marginalized class. How can you dare tell somebody that they can't make a statement like that because of your political beliefs? You phobe, you, uh, you ist, and so on and so forth. That's immediately what would happen. And that's why what you're using here, and I love, and I'm with you, about gender masking would never be adopted because they're saying, no, it's not a mask, it's real. I am a woman. Never Don't, don't mind my 5 o'clock shadow or my 6-foot-4 frame and my 250 pound muscle, uh, pounds of muscle body. I am a woman because I feel like one, and if I feel like it, you must accept that that's what I am. It's not a mask, it's reality. In fact, if there's a mask, it's my, it's my manhood. It's the, man, it's, the, it's the male features on me because that's not what I really am. That's the mask. That's how they would push back again. Against it, Todd. We have to embrace the millions of hours of rigor, the rigorous study of Homo sapiens and mammals and other animal kingdom um, participants on this planet, and we have to respect the accurate assessment of the fact conclusions that have been drawn in order for us to continue to advance in, in our healthy pursuits. When we stop doing that, which has happened in many time occasions over the span of the human race, mm-hmm. it causes confusion then it causes malicious confusion mongering and it slows down the healthy pursuits of the human race and he didn't say all of that in his in his statement to the school board but it's clear it's clear and he should have called those people's names out he should have called every adult involved in making him have to walk out of that school Everyone. Well, here, here, here's what I'm hoping because you know I can't expect too much of the kid. He's 12, and I, you yeah. know, the courage that it takes. I don't know what you were like at 12. I, I don't remember what I was about like at 12. I just know I wasn't that. I wasn't going to be able to do that and address a, a school board about something particularly that I've gotten in quote unquote trouble with. Um, but what I do hope, Todd, is in in lieu of that, is that people who heard people in that school and in that community and parents who heard about it and who can probably watch it because these things are recorded, of course, you know, in their in their local school boards, if they saw this, they're the ones should be asking now. Moms and dads should be saying, who threw this kid out of class? Is it the principal? Is it the vice principal? Is it the teacher? Uh, who made the final decision that he can't stay in school if he's wearing a shirt that states a simple biological fact? If the parents are any 
uh, you know, have any uh, courage or any interest whatsoever in taking care of their kids and and the truth, they'll find out the names that you're talking about right now, and they'll make them famous, and they'll and they'll hopefully you know call for resignations or call for punitive sanctions of some kind by the board against those members. I was pretty much like Liam. <laughs> yeah, really? I was when I was. Yeah, I was. I was pretty much like that. You notice he wasn't. He wasn't making a big fuss. He wasn't ranting and raving. You know, he, he didn't have any strong tears or anything going on his face. He just laid out the facts, man. Yeah, and he That's was reading. He, he was reading from the speech that he wrote, and and uh, you know, cynics are on online. Some of them are saying he didn't write that. That's not somebody adult wrote that for him and and, and made him read it. Um, I don't believe that, but I mean, you know, I, I there was a part of me when I presented the story, I was going to read it myself. I have the text. I was going to read the whole thing and say, this is what the young man said, because I could, you know, inflect better and, and hit certain points where he just kind of read and sometimes the words ran together and the sentences ran together because he's 12. Uh, but but the fact is that this kid, the fact that he experienced it and then wanted to say something about it, if he had the guts to stand up before the school board to say it, I absolutely believe he wrote it. Uh, and if you were like that when you were a kid, I mean, good on you, man. There's just not a whole lot of people that are that age that are that um, self-aware and confident enough to speak publicly, particularly about something, again, that they know is going to potentially rub people the wrong way. That's a, that's a courageous thing to do. I did, I did not see a display of courage. And I don't know that it, I don't know that it wasn't a display of courage because I don't know him. But what I saw was just somebody laying out the facts. And there are millions, millions. Yeah, but he's laying out kids. facts though. But he's laying out facts that got him kicked out of school. Yeah, he knew that, and, he, and that's and what he, man. That's where the courage comes in. Most kids get kicked out of school. You know, if something happens like that, they're going to be you know almost intimidated into a hush after that. And instead of you know, I mean, you know, I think it would have been courageous for him to wear the wear the shirt back to school again another day. He went further than that. He actually took it to the board, and I think that's gutsy as hell. I didn't see the video. I'm gonna go back and look. Did he have the T-shirt on? We no, he didn't. No, no, no. He should have wore it. He should have wore it. Yeah, you know, you know what? I tell you what. That would, again. I mean, we're asking too much of the kid. He's twelve. That would have been really? some serious chutzpah. I love that. If you would, you know, because I think he had. I don't have it in front of me anymore. But but I tell you what. If he had worn like say a button down shirt and uh, and then in the middle of his speech taking the button down shirt off to show the t shirt and say this is what it said. And I ask you, is this violent or is this uh, making anybody here feel unsafe? These are simple words that were reflect a biological fact i'd love for him to do all those things but again kids 12 so <laughs> maybe next time maybe next month's board meeting the kid will come back and i'll have something a little bit stronger uh but okay uh, but i'm telling you bob we don't know this really may not have been a display of courage he may have just been a normal 12 you know 12 year olds do things where they just they just lay out the facts as they know them to be and it's not a matter of courage or anything like that they're not facing any fears like this is what I know to be the truth. If you don't think this is the truth, show me. I'm trying to learn. I'm 12. <laughs> you know? But what you're also not trying to do when you're 12 is is have to be called back into your principal's office again. Usually, again, you get called once, you know, because of something you did. You don't do that anymore because you don't like being in trouble. If you're willing to stand up and say, I'm doing it again, or I'm taking this to the board, you are willing to get in trouble. And that, my friend, is courageous. That's all the time I've got. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for calling. Thanks to Tom, or to um, uh, Peter uh, Kersenow and to Jim Jordan, my guest. And thanks to the team. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a, have a great day. Be well, be safe, stay free. See you then. Bye-bye. AM 1420, The Answer. Wait till Goddard sees my woolly bear. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.